Hello, I'm Alina. And I'm Melissa. This is episode one of Out on a Limb, and today we'll be talking with Kate about the current situation of COVID-19 and how that applies in orthotics and prosthetics. So here is Get Schooled on the new procedures. Hi, Kate. Hello. How about you start us off, just introduce us kind of your background and give us some information about you. Okay. Um, I am a certified prosthetist, orthotist, have been for a lot longer than I want to say, and <laughs> been in um, various avenues of O&P. I uh, was a practitioner specializing in pediatrics initially, and then took some time off to have kids, and kept my feet in O&P by becoming a part-time clinical instructor for Cal State. And again, that was longer than I want to say, but <laughs> at this point, I'm now back working more administratively than clinically. Um, I'm, a, I'm the residency director for Prosthetic Orthotic Group, as well as Capstone, and I'm also the clinical compliance manager. So I'm kind of that liaison. Um, I know the practitioner speak, and I can communicate with practitioners, and I can help translate that information between the billing staff and the administrative staff, and of course, auditing. So. Right, That's right. kind of what I do. You've kind of had your hands in all different aspects yeah. of the field. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I have. Everything. Yeah, I have. Awesome. So, a few questions. I kind of chose to interview you about current situation of COVID-19 because you are the one that kind of wrote our current protocols for our company. Right, and right. And been on top of that. Um, <laughs> so, why don't you just start off with, you know, we have been open this whole time through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um so why don't you tell everyone like, why we are considered essential? Well, I think orthotics and prosthetics definitely were essential to the community because we have so many patients that rely on us, the devices we provide, the services we provide, so that they can still be functional. Maybe they're not out and about in the community as much, but around the house, um, to be able to be independent, to be able to be mobile. Um, we know that that's very important for mental health as well as physical health. Um, and in this time, we have to consider the impact of being quarantined and isolated on top of other physical disabilities. So, you know, if a patient needs an adjustment to a device so that they can feel more comfortable, so they can at least move around their house better or get out into their yard, um, that makes us essential. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Of course. Um, so with that, what changes have we made? What are the new protocols? What are we doing to keep everyone safe? Well, what's interesting, I just want to start off by saying, you know, I, I'm no expert at all in, um, like, policies or procedures. I've just, mm-hmm. just taken a lot of time and done a lot of research. Um, because I don't have a clinical practice, I think I have more time available to do all this legwork and this research um, that the day-to-day practitioner doesn't have. Right. So, you know, as far as what we're doing differently, first off, I always... I've gone back to the CDC. I've gone nationally to see what the guidelines and and the suggestions are. So following the CDC guidelines as far as what we need to do to protect ourselves and protect our employees first Mm -hmm. and foremost Mm -hmm. before our employees then engage and interact with patients, whether they come into the office or we see our patients somewhere else. Because we also need to protect our patients. So that was always the forefront of my mind is, what do we need to do to protect ourselves individually and in our environment so that we don't transmit COVID back to our families or we don't transmit COVID to a patient who comes in? Yeah. So 
like I said, started with CDC guidelines, that's a national level. Also looked extensively at um, AOPA, AOPA's guidelines, and um, ABC's guidelines for OMP specifically Can at the national level. Can you explain what AOPA yeah. and ABC oh, are? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. So AOPA is the American Orthotic and Prosthetic Association. That's our national business association that um, certified practitioners, we get a lot of business uh, support and references. And then the, the next one is ABC, the American Board for Certification. That's the um, accrediting agency that provides each of our practitioners the certification testing um, to be practitioners. So by following uh, both of those guidelines and because we also have residents who are still training to become practitioners, there's a whole set of standards and guidelines to follow with that as well. So I also looked at the NCOPE, the National Commission on Orthotic and Prosthetic Education, their guidelines on how to um, continue to work and within this pandemic and the protocols and the safety issues to implement. So by bringing all those resources together, I then had to read through everything and ferret out what was, um, like for example, the CDD would CDC would explain what to do if you're in an emergency room. Well, that obviously didn't apply to us. Right. Yeah. Um, but what would apply if we had a private office? And I felt like I'd have to tailor that because each of our offices are a little bit unique. Mm -hmm. um, but thankfully I've been to each office so I have an understanding and a perspective of their environment. And I'd have to pull out each from each of those different references, the CDC, AOPA, ABC, and NCOPE, all those standards that are necessary, those guidelines, excuse me, those guidelines were necessary to protect our employees and our patients. Is there a difference between like how NCOPE was approaching it versus how ABC was approaching it since it was like a difference in employee, like since it was a resident versus like a practitioner, or were they pretty much all the same standard? Or? They're all pretty much the same standard, and what was nice, what I felt was very reassuring is when you go to, you know, the CDC obviously is for community and, um, um, you know, more uh, community health-based okay, protection, right. whereas when, you went, when I went to ABC or AOPA or NCOPE, that was more focused on just the OMP profession, how to keep our profession right. and our practitioners. Right. Very specific. Very specific, yeah. but at the same time, universally the same concerns. Keeping mm -hmm. practitioners Everyone's safe, safe. keeping patients safe. Right. And so that was, it was reassuring to see that although there are four different refer, uh, references and guidelines to go by, they really mirrored each other. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, obviously ABC, AOPA, and NCOPE also cited the CDC guidelines, and they would go back to those as well. So, so everyone's kind of we're all on the same slowly page. Slowly funneling through CDC, yeah, um, yeah, kind of making it more specific to our field. Mm -hmm. What I'm noticing now at this stage is um, because we have offices in different states, right. and because different states are now ha now have different um, guidelines of what can be open, what should be closed, who's essential, who's non-essential. You know when when the restrictions of safer at home or stay at home are going to be lifted. Those are a little bit different. Um, so we're still working through that. That's very fluid. That's still very organic. Is it state by state that our profession is non-essential or are we considered essential in other states as well? You know, an initially initially it was really gray. I think what it was okay. is about middle of March. Middle of March, there was um, a statement that came out of AOPA, and AOPA, I believe, 
received this information from CMS centers of Medicare and Medicaid services that oh. OMP was essential. Okay. So with that statement from CMS and the Department of Health and Human Services, mm-hmm. HHS, that deemed OMP essential, and so then AOPA and ABC supported that nationally. So then state by state, and then people would just have to kind mm-hmm. of deal with, I don't know, the virus or what's, what's going on state by state and kind yep. of how they handled it. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So with everything changing and having all these new protocols and everything, there we have seen patients multiple ways now mm-hmm. instead of just always having them come to our office. Yes. Um, so can you go through a little bit of how that's changed and what other options we now have? So with this whole stay at home, safer at home, um, I think what it's done is it's put this emphasis back on um, home visits. Doctor, you know, the old-fashioned um, mm-hmm. appointments where a physician, usually a male doctor, would show up at the door with a bag and see you at your home. And we got away from that for many, many years with um, health care and, and managed care. But with this pandemic, with so many people safer at home, um, there's been a need now for services to come to them. Or if the patient is able to leave their house, they're coming to a facility, but the facility has to change their um, intake of how they take patients in. They have to make sure that patients come in on a staggered schedule. Or if the, if the particular office is real small, um, they're not taking any more walk-ins whatsoever because if their office is small enough, they don't really have a way to, if you want to say, triage patients so they're not overlapping and there aren't too many people in a waiting room at one time or crossing paths. Um, so with that being said, part of the changes in protocol is this um, managing patient flow, starting with front office, scheduling appointments, m- reaching out to patients with a lot more uh, communication, either via emails or telephone calls, yeah. making sure patients understand it's really, really important that they show up the time that they're scheduled to show yeah. up. They really can't be late if they're not if they don't arrive on time. They likely won't be seen. Um, and for those patients who, for whatever reason, if they're not comfortable coming into the facility, we have some offices and practitioners who are willing to go out and see the patient in the parking lot, um, have the patients stay in their car for their sense of safety and protection. Um, so that's another option. Obviously, after any type of patient interaction, there's a need to you know, disinfect and clean either the surroundings that they come into in our office or after our practitioners go back into the office, they have to wash their hands and follow all those those basic guidelines. Basic guidelines right. mm-hmm. But I think there's also going to be a trend. I think that this idea of telehealth and telemedicine within O&P, which wasn't really maximized too much, it was kind of thrown in our laps. I think it's here to stay. Right. It's yeah. definitely here to stay. I think also this pandemic is going to show... Um, that the you know across the country there are a few uh, OMP for providers that are mobile. They're just they they have maybe a, a home base, a brick and mortar office for fabrication, but they have vans and they go to patients' homes. And I think we're going to see more of those come up where the mobile uh, facility OMP provider isn't going to be the rarity. I think they're going to be more of a commonality, mm-hmm. and that's going to help the general OMP practice expand their offerings of patient services whether it's expand services between with the option of telehealth and telemedicine having a mobile clinic um, maybe even bringing in assistants or scribes to help that one practitioner to be able to see more people I just I think it's here to stay yeah Yeah. and we are one of those fields that 
we can be mobile and yeah you know as long as we have a lab or enough you know van space to bring our tools with us and everything mm-hmm. yeah we can be all over the place right right see patients where they need to be seen yep yeah. yep so it gives us a little bit more options it does mm-hmm. it does it, and it helps um, for us to see the patient, for example, if, if we increase our availability through mobile options, it allows us to see the patient in their environment. So yeah. we have a better true representation of what their functional capacity or abilities are in their environment. Oh, how right. many stairs do they have mm-hmm. to yeah. go up and down every mm-hmm. day? Mm-hmm. How long the driveway? Their goals? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What are yeah. they trying to, to accomplish? Achieve. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, one thing I didn't really talk about were the. Did you want me to go over the protocols of how like staggering patients in the schedule, cleaning after every patient, that those kind of protocols? We or? can talk about that. I mean, just from like our personal experience, it's gonna sound really gross, but like we did not probably implement a lot of those things, mm-hmm. and now yeah, we kind of have to. I think about certain patient interaction situations where I'm like. I should have been doing this regardless. The whole time, yeah. And I feel like a lot of people are kind of picking up on that, at least within, like, our company. Well, I feel kind of... One thing that I know we talked about, Kate and I, um, a while ago is in our field, not only do we have to disinfect the whole room that the patient was in, but we also have to think that we are, you know, providing a device that was on the patient, it was in yeah. the patient's home, and, yeah. and then we're taking it back in our lab, working on it, using mm-hmm. tools on it, you know, touching it with our hands, maybe technicians touching mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. and then we bring it back to the patient. And so we do have to be aware that we also have to di- disinfect that device yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Should really, and I think that was the aha moment I've heard from a couple practitioners mm-hmm. is this whole concept of more awareness of transmission. Yeah. You yeah. know, like before you leave a patient's room with a device to take it in the lab, take a couple of seconds and wash your hands. Lysol, the device itself, um, hand sanitizer, something, because as soon as you walk out of that room and you carry the device, you're carrying that device down down the hallway, Mm -hmm. and as Alyssa said, you're now in the lab, you're placing on somebody else's lab bench, that bench needs to be cleaned off, the tools that are used, those need to be disinfected and cleaned after every use. And that's just something we did not do before, and now now we have to. Now we're more We have to, much more aware. wasn't on my radar. I mean, especially like... With the measurement tools and mm-hmm. the casting yeah. tools, mm-hmm. that was something was very eye opening for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I people's feet touch this. I should <laughs> clean these tools. Um, I fully stretched out and disinfected more measuring tapes in the last you know two months than I probably have in the last yep. two years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's been good and bad to this virus for sure, but I think there's definitely been things that we're going to continue to implement just because it does just make sense regardless of the virus or not. You should be cleaning these things and making sure because... Well, and I want to say the other thing I put together was a training module for all the offices. And part of that was um, the training module to teach all of our employees about symptoms of COVID and then how to prevent transmission and how to protect yourself. Training module would have come together no matter what, but it was started because we had an insurance company mandate us before our in, our contract with the insurance company would be renewed. The insurance company demanded that we show them what we're doing, at what's our protocol. 
So I got that together very, very quickly. And, you know, we now have been able to reference that training module for other insurances. other insurances and, and contracts. And so what was great is the individual employees of POG, as well as Capstone, were very receptive to that. You know, they mm-hmm. got the module out with a quiz, and I know everyone loves taking quizzes and comments <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. I, I was some of us more so than others. But um, everybody responded really well, got, the, got all the um, participation and engagement of all employees mm-hmm. very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. So now we're gonna have more we're gonna have bloodborne pathogens, and we're gonna have <laughs> yeah. For everyone who's listening to this who works at POG, watch out. Yeah. You're hearing it here first. <laughs> but as far as the training module and stuff, and we kind of talked about it as far as like washing the devices and things like that. It did go into like how to put on gloves, how mm-hmm. to take off gloves, how mm-hmm. to put on a mask, and those were things I genuinely did not know and mm-hmm. it was pretty useful and I was mm-hmm. curious if you got any feedback from people I'm not sure if people reached out but I did actually I got a couple comments from practitioners who are very well established who said just that I never knew that there was a procedure proper way yeah. to take take off and dismantle yeah. all your PPE in the I proper order wrong yeah, yeah. and so even though we are tech, you know part of the medical field and mm-hmm. we are medical professionals and all that stuff but I feel like when you go to school to become a doctor or a mm-hmm. nurse they go through all of that right. specific yeah. PPE, the steps to put them on, the steps mm-hmm. to take them off yeah. be very sterile, how to sterilize mm-hmm. go into surgery, you know, all this stuff we don't get all of that yeah, in school right. yeah, yeah. You, get, yeah, you have to put on gloves right. but right. you don't get that like specific yeah. procedure unless you're in an office that interacts uh, more often with hospital calls, yeah, right. Or if you go in for a post-op, yeah. you know, dressing, you then you get that. exposed to it and but you learn about it. But no, you learn about it on the job. Yep. And, yeah, yeah. And even then, you have to be paying attention because, like I said, I would have been doing it wrong this whole time, and I had no idea. Like, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Also, I just want to mention one other thing that our field is doing. Um, one of our coworkers, actually, out in Colorado, started making what's called intubation boxes. Um, every time a doctor or a nurse goes to intubate a patient, um, there's some, you know, spittle and some stuff because you're in their mouths and their throats and everything. Um, so to try and protect some of those doctors and nurses that are out on the front lines of COVID and having to interact with these patients very closely who have tested positive, who are having, you know, respiratory issues, respiratory issues, they're coughing already and then having to have something, you know put down their throat and get intubated, mm-hmm. um, these boxes, basically it's a large box that goes, covers the patients, you know, from the shoulders up, mm-hmm. but there's holes where the doctor or nurse can put their hands through, do what they need to do, but it's just one more barrier. Mm-hmm. They're between, protected a little yeah, bit. Mm-hmm. a little bit better, um, especially when there's, you know, PPE shortages and all of that. Um, so if any of you guys are interested, we do have a few of those boxes available. Um, they also could be, as places are starting to open up, could be good for, you know, dentists because mm-hmm. they're in patients' mouths. Um, not the safest place right now mm-hmm. to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the whole box is clear, so you have 360 view, everything, you know, mm-hmm. but you do have a little bit more protection. Another barrier. Yeah, mm-hmm. another, another barrier. barrier. Yeah. So if anyone would like to contact us, have any questions about it, are interested in, um, in obtaining any of those boxes, feel free to email us at outonalim.pc at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, one more question for you, Kate, before sure. we're all done. 
long term? I know we kind of mentioned this yeah. um, with telehealth and everything, but long term, how do you think these changes and these protocols and just having this pandemic is going to change the entire field of prosthetics and orthotics? I think it's going to make us more cognizant of our environment that we're in, you know, mm-hmm. especially yeah. for those practitioners who maybe on Mondays they're in the office, but then Monday afternoons they go to a clinic and then Wednesdays right. they're in the office all day, but then Thursdays they're at a MTU and then they come back. You know, right. this whole idea of we're going in and out and in and out of all these different environments with all these patients who have all these different going exposures, different hospitals, different clinics, the potential for yeah. transmission, the potential for transmission. Um, We just really have to nip that in the bud and Mm -hmm. be aware that we may not feel sick, but we really could transmit and carry a lot into a lot of different populations and a lot of different environments. Mm -hmm. So I think fundamentally at the individual practitioner level, hopefully that's what everyone takes away from this is I need to protect myself, but I need to protect everyone in all the different environments that I engage in. I think then on a global level, how it's going to affect the profession as a whole, like I said, I think it's going to encourage more telehealth and um, maybe mobile practices uh, where we take our services to the patients rather than the patients coming to us. Um, I think it's also going to reflect back that we aren't just the widget makers. We truly are essential, um, that we need to be brought into this dialogue all the time. Right. all the time mm-hmm. so yeah 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 that is a nice thing that i've noticed we've had more dialogue with the insurance companies mm-hmm. and with the hospitals that we go into mm-hmm. and the clinics that we go into yeah. about all of this so mm-hmm. i think that that has helped and i think it's good mm-hmm. yeah. a lot of us should be here to stay all of our safety protocols all our right <laughs> disinfecting yeah. i think we all need to be more aware of it yeah definitely mm-hmm. so Thanks, Kate. We appreciate you. It's been (laughs) such a pleasure. Thank you very much. No Uh, problem. I'm sure we'll have you back. Anytime. Anytime. (laughs) Fun chats. Anytime. Well, we will see you guys next time and stay safe. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.